Gene and Roger is the story of the two most powerful, influential movie critics of their time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. You can find Gene and Roger on the Big Picture feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else, like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit, where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to, though. But take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else, like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit, where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to, though. But take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. This is Dave Chang. I don't think I've ever introduced a podcast by introducing myself <laughs> and saying the name of the podcast, but there I just did it. Um, we have a moif coming your way. My opinion is fact with Chris Yang and Snackmaster Noel Cornelio and, of course, supercomputer producer extraordinaire Isaac Lee, who's going to tell us how much he hates food. Um, <laughs> Uh, before we begin, I, I have been told by my publisher, I have to start promoting the holy hell out of this cookbook that I got coming out in five weeks. It is called Cooking at Home or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Recipes and Love My Microwave. Clearly a, a funny play on the Kubrick great Dr. Strangelove. But, you know, you've heard some of the bits of how I cook at home now, how Chris Yang cooks at home, how a lot of chefs professionally cook at home. And, um, you know, the reality is I joke that it's almost like learning how to only drive a Formula One or a NASCAR car because I never learned to cook at home. And then like having to cook at home, it's like driving a Toyota Prius and there's no rules anymore. So this book is a little bit about finding your intuition and becoming a better cook and how recipes oftentimes make you a bad cook. So I'm going to start off right now with... My own, this is fact or fiction to, hmm. in my opinion, is fact what? to you guys. What did you just say? <laughs> yeah. what, what words just came out of your mouth? This is a, my opinion is fact, fact or fiction. Got it. No. Fact or fiction. Yes. What was funny, I read a comment and they're like, is Dave having a hard time understanding anything anymore? And <laughs> it's true. I, I, I can't even grasp simple things anymore. Oh my God. Uh, my mind is totally preoccupied with a baby two coming. So... I have no idea. I have no idea how so many billions upon billions of humans have been <laughs> born on this planet. I just don't get it. Anyway, my question to you guys and to the audience, do recipes make you actually a worse cook? I feel like short-term, no. Long-term, yes. Right? Explain. Because, so short-term, as someone who's trying to figure it out, 
I feel like I need it to guide me, to help me understand like, okay, if I'm trying to make a certain dish, like I probably should include these ingredients. But I feel as though once I've gotten more comfortable with using, like, I don't know, bad example, but like mirin, I now know how to use it in cooking without needing a recipe. So short term, I think I need it in order to start me off. But long term, if I kept using a recipe, then I can't do anything on my own. It's like using autocorrect forever. You know what I think about is I think about the Lego movie. I think about Will Ferrell's character, the dad, who's like, you have to do it the way they have it in the box. And now we have to, I'm going to, I'm going to super glue this. You can't do it any other way. And the kid is like, but what if I want to do it this way? And I literally had this moment building Legos with my daughter where I was like, Ruby, you can't put that piece there. That's, that's not where the window goes in the friend's apartment. You've got to do it by the instructions. And she was like, but I just want to make this thing. And so I think that like Legos actually are a good example. Like if you build your first five Lego sets and you're like, oh, this is how they work. This is how these pieces come together. And oh, if I do this backwards this way, like this is a new technique I can use to make something look like this. But if like your goal is to just like continue to make things out of instruction books forever, like then you're only going to make things that other people want you to eat. Yeah. And it's about not getting out of one's comfort zone and You've heard us maybe talk about the tyranny of the Cavendish banana or talk about how all meats have to be sort of soft and chewless if it's in slow cooked. These may seem like disparate things, but to me, they're all sort of tied together. It's, it's like not challenging the assumption that there's another way to do it. And then also, you know, Noel brought up a good point of spell checking or finding your direction. I have no idea how to spell anything anymore. I have no idea how to find direction. I never did. You know, without GPS, I'd be totally fucked, right? But if there wasn't, I remember having to remember directions, left, right, left, go here. You know, and it just becomes ingrained in how you think. I think that's sort of important as a human being to actually be able to use your brain in ways that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're critical thinking, critical reading thinking. data as a, yeah, critical thinking. But it's also like, you know, if you're a sports fan, it's you scripted out your plays for the game. Your star quarterback gets injured or, you know, you're losing by 25 points and you don't change anything because you're, you're so pot committed to something. And I know these like are really random examples because there's not one great example to make people go, aha, you're right. Maybe I should stop following recipes. I'm struggling to find something perfect, but I just don't think that there is. I think people have to ask themselves, do you want to be spoon fed the rest of your life? And there's no problem with that. Or do you want to like, venture out on your own and learn and to actually be independent. And I find that a lot of people just don't want to know how to make something without recipes. It's scary. I'm not trying to say it's not scary, but at some point you all have to get out of, you know, stop being a wallflower and dance a little bit. And that's what I wanted this book to be. And our, our good friend Priya Krishna was instrumental in making the book. But the other thing that I, I feel that I wanted to ask you, the second question to you guys is, do you feel that recipes are, how should I say, where we live in a world where we need recipes because we live in a world, I'm not trying to be politically correct and super woke here, but it's a Western Eurocentric dominated perspective. Because if you think about people that have great food cultures or people that I know and you go to their homes or they say, man, my mom's a great cook. My uncle cooks this, but there's no recipes. It seems to get marginalized in how we talk about food or disseminate food information because we're not telling those stories. These are 
it's not their fault that it's not written down because most fucking recipes have never been recipes. It is watch me do this. Watch me cook. Spend time with me. And I think that's more powerful than a recipe. I think like recipe addiction or recipe culture, which, you know, like I've made money selling cookbooks full of recipes. I'm part of the recipe industrial complex, but it's like, Motherfucker, you motherfucker. (laughs) You're the problem, Chris Listen, what is the number one most shared recipe on the New York Times website? Dave Chang's Bosom recipe. That's true. This is true. So listen, we're all we're all guilty of of putting recipes out there, but I actually think I'm I'm kidding sort of when I say it's the recipe industrial complex, but I'm also not. I think it's a legacy of industrialized food to some extent, where you want everybody anywhere in the country to be able to produce the same thing, no matter where they are. Like that's what a recipe does. It like levels everything down to the teaspoon and how you make exactly what I ate, exactly what I want you to eat. But at the same time, I don't think it's about our values in America. I think when you think about Americans that we talk to all the time, the most romantic notion is the secret recipe, the the grandmother's recipe, the thing that was not written down that you had to learn, like you're talking about, just standing at the apron of your grandmother, your grandfather, or whatever. Like that is our most romantic notion of cooking is learning these family recipes that can only be taught through doing. And so like we want it. We actually want what you're talking about, but we have been trapped into this thing where like, you know, like I said, I'm guilty too. And I think that when I first started talking to you about these home cooking things, it really did change my perspective a lot. But, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know, damn well, Dave, like every night in my house, I'm cooking some shit that like you told me about, you know, whether it's just because, you know, I, I watched you boil a chuck roast recently. And then I went home and I was like, oh, he made a uh, gochujang jjigae with boiled chuck roast. I came home and I said, hey, Jamie, what do you want for dinner? And she said, how about curry? And I was like, I want to boil a fucking chuck roast and make Japanese curry then. Like, this is so much better once you open your eyes to it, I think. Yeah, it's so interesting because this week too, I finally decided that I'm actually going to learn how to make Filipino food because I've (laughs) gone so long without having learned anything. And so I used to be, I guess still am, kind of a recipe person. I still have, I need it. But obviously with Filipino food and especially like with every single family, you kind of have a different take. So this week, like my mom and I got on FaceTime and she had to explain to me step by step, but the explanation was more about taste. And it's kind of that intuitive, okay, are you tasting it every step? Like, does this feel right? Does this look good? Because at the end of the day, like, you know best. And it's so funny because going through that process, that was the first time that I had a successful dish start to finish versus recipes that I'll test out for the first time. No matter how much I, you know, I'll follow it to the T, it's never perfect the first time. And it's because I'm just following exactly what someone's telling me to without actually, you know, thinking twice about what I'm doing. I mean, outside of baking and certain recipes, you need to follow things step by step in pastry and bread making and certain things. Absolutely, you have to. But like everything else you just described, whether it's Filipino food or Chinese or Japanese or Ethiopian, if you're not in those countries and you're somewhere else, a lot of it is, how do I make a recipe without the exact ingredients? And I think that's a stumbling block for everybody. I can replace anything that's Parmesan with soy sauce, vice versa, or anchovies, or anything 
that has umami if I don't have the right thing. And that's okay. And it's just thinking outside the box. This pisses off so many people. It pisses off the traditionalists. It pisses off people that are like, you can't fuck with this cuisine. I actually think that if you do it right, if you are actually able to mimic different ingredients of a recipe, you're paying respect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's how all our immigrant parents cooked when they came to this country. They didn't have the same ingredients. And I just feel like that's how the next conversation of food can begin by not recreating the same thing, not making them facsimile. It's why I hate fucking authenticity. And I don't know. I feel like it's an uphill battle to tell people recipes are great, but it's just a starting point. And more often than not, if I post anything on social media, like, where's the fucking recipe? How much do I do this? <laughs> How many cups of this? And I'm like, it's some of it's common sense, man. I mean, this is maybe just me being a psycho, but I'm always, I, if I, if people ask me where I got a recipe, I'm always so embarrassed if I actually used a recipe. I'm like, I just don't want to be like, oh, this is like the Smitten Kitchen recipe for chili. Like, I don't want to do that. It's fucking embarrassing, <laughs> man. Like, do it yourself so you don't have to suffer the embarrassment of saying the dumb website where you got the recipe. Just like, learn how to do it this yourself. Is all, this is all a plea to tell the audience that have listened to Recipe Club a reason, an excuse of why Chris and I are so fucking bad at that podcast. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's actually, I feel we're like we playing, just had like a, a breakthrough. We're playing the wrong sport. We're playing the wrong fucking sport. Okay? Excuses. Excuses. We just had a breakthrough, Dave. It's like our own resist. Like we're so resistant to getting, like winning recipe club because we're so embarrassed at having to be like, I cooked this recipe. That's exactly what it is. I mean, in terms of a, a, a comp, and I don't even know if this is going to make sense. But I was like, maybe there is a comp. And I don't mean to seem profane in, in making this analogy, but it's another pleasurable thing. I mean, if people understand, like, if they have intimate relations with another person, like sex, like, they can read about it. They don't follow a recipe. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure people do. But, like, imagine if you just followed a recipe for sex with your partner. Well, I guess the Kama forever. Sutra. Is kind of a no, recipe yeah. book like, for do sex. For six, do this for seven minutes. Okay, no. do this for seven minutes. Now get on your back and do this. And then, you know, it really is sort of the same thing. And, and you know what? We're laughing because guess what? People, if they hear this, they're going to be like, yeah, that's fucking stupid. Well, <laughs> the same logic applies to just following recipes. Mm -hmm. You're making something pleasurable for someone else and you're, you're fucking a robot. It's dumb. Literally, literally, you're fucking a robot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I, I think I did it. I mean, like maybe it is sex, and if you can laugh about it, there's something funny about blindly following a recipe without actually questioning. Hey, this carrot looks different than it did when I bought it a week ago. Maybe it tastes different. Maybe I might have to add a little bit of sugar. Oh, I don't have any sugar. Why don't I use agave? Is that okay? Actually, the agave is expired. I have maple syrup. Okay. Now it's sweet. It's sweeter than I thought. Maybe I balance it out with some more pepper and some acidity. All right. I don't have any lemon juice because that's what the recipe says, but I have some white wine vinegar. Maybe that will work. You know, and like you're just constantly iterating and it's a little bit like improv. But just to be clear, this book has dishes and their recipes ish, just not in the oh, normal yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, there are tons of recipes in there because my publisher was like, you're not fucking making a book without recipes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a philosophical, like, 
extremely philosophical book, basically. And it's not a book about microwave cooking. There's only like five, but that was intentional to sort of explain to people that this is going to be try to take a different approach. There are lots of recipes, but it's not choose your own adventure. I feel that they've been written in a way where if you have something, you're going to, you're going to be able to use common sense and be like, oh, this is how you make it. And that's it. It's holding your hand without telling you cheating the test. That sex analogy is so funny, man. <laughs> can't stop thinking about that. We should start a sex recipe website. <laughs> Cook like you fuck. <laughs> Cook like you fuck. Well, that was a long preamble of uh, my opinion as fact, fact or fiction. I don't know what the hell you call it. <laughs> that name needs a needs a little bit of work. Um, but maybe maybe the maybe we just call it. This is a segment that says, "I'm right, you're wrong." I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> Shut up. Coming on Fox News at 11 p.m. Wait, wait, wait. So before we get into Moif, before so now that we've exited, I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> and before we get into my penis fat, Jesus Christ. Uh, Noelle has a little update from us, actually, uh, for us. Yeah. Uh, from us. Ooh. In the great Kerry Joji Fukunaga debate of 2021. That's right. The biggest debate of all time, if we're being honest. Uh Thanks to everyone who responded to the Instagram poll. 60% of you definitely want him on the show. But 40% of you think that he's way too handsome for us. <laughs> oh so remember, the question was, <laughs> because Carrie Fukunaga is too handsome and too talented, and Dave, <sighs> <laughs> self-esteem is so low, he thinks that Carrie Fukunaga is too good of a guest for us. So we put it out there to you our listeners about uh, as to whether we should have him on or not. And there's the results, Dave. 60% want him on. 40% do think he's too good for us. That should be a zero. <laughs> that should be a zero. Listen, listen. My, my math is not very good. All right. But I think that means only 10 people voted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, either way, okay. either way, 40% of that 10 people <laughs> agree with you. Recount. He is too recount. good for you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Dave? Should we should we extend the invitation or not? Based on that data, we were we were trying to get. Well, data. now it's just going to be now it's just going to be weird. You know, I mean, why would it be weird? It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Isaac wants this so bad. <laughs> He's a big name director who's also Asian American. We should have him on this podcast. Too good looking, man. Too good looking. What? Why is that the criteria for an audio only medium? I don't understand. Because I, Dave, and I got to look at him. <laughs> Turn <laughs> off your camera. Who cares, man? Oh, God. What are you well, talking about, man? It's impossible. All right. Well, the, the, anyway. the debate rages on. Yeah. Well, if he comes on, I'm not doing the podcast. You can do it. <laughs> He's just not gonna show up. Uh, your name is on the show. You can't not do the podcast. We should just let him. Oh, we should just give him a guest hosting spot, like Ken Ooh. Jennings on Jeopardy. Yeah. Just have Kerry mm. Fukunaga just host the podcast. The Kerry Joji Fukunaga show. Yeah, yeah, let's just do that. I mean, Clive Cussler still makes books, and he doesn't write them. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> this, this is your goal. It's just Clive Cussler, the Dave. Chang I mean, Tom Clancy died like. <laughs> 12 years ago and people are still writing Tom Clancy books who gives a shit if my name's on it or not it doesn't mean anything sheesh oh my uh, god the Dave Chang show is like the, the Mandarin in the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe he's Great just comp. it's a title that could passes from person to person yeah <laughs> okay alright 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 let's get on the Moif let's take a quick break and uh, we'll Moif it up 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And we're back. Time to moist. Our first question of the day, I always like to start with the layup. Margaritas, overrated or underrated? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> they're so highly rated. They're very highly rated. And yet I still think they're underrated. Oh. I love a fucking margarita. I like a mezcal mm. margarita, though. Eh. I'm a eh. Eh. Mm. I'm a eh. Mm. Too, too sweet. Too sweet. <laughs> What? Make it less sweet. What do you want (laughs) in your drink, in your cocktail? (laughs) It's too sweet. You want a martini. You want a martini, huh? That's that's what you want. You want three alcohol. A great margarita can be really great, but oftentimes they're not great. Is anyone looking for them to be great? That's my key question here. Mm, Are your standards too high, Dave Chang? I'm looking for the Kerry Joji Fukunaga of margaritas. (laughs) brother. Okay, a, a margarita that can do it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good with shitty margarita with the mix, too sweet and all, with the gnarly pretzel salt on the rim. If I'm drinking in pitcher form, and I actually know that Dave is cool with that too, because we. No, I mean I drink them. I mean I I have been drunk on margaritas. And <laughs> so what's the issue here? I mean, there's a there's a the upcoming Hulu show. There's a scene where you'll probably be like. He doesn't look good. Well, let me tell you what happened the night before. <laughs> I had like four pitchers of margarita because it was the first time I had ever been outside in like, you know, 16 months at a bar. And I imbibed many, many drinks. I think margaritas are fine. I just, people call them margs and this whole ritual around it. I, I, I'm not like, I don't go out out of my way. And I'd rather have one of those... Slushy margaritas than a real margarita. Mm, mm-hmm, the slushy mm-hmm. margarita is amazing. Slushy is always. Yeah. I, I got one for you. Underrated. Wine spritzer. Really? Yeah. Huh. So good. Oh, yeah. Kylie Javier Ashton's husband, Luke Ashton, one of the great bartenders in the world. I think he won bartender of the year in the world, opened a wine spritzer bar, and it was my favorite bar of all time. Mm. Hmm. I think wine spritzers are underrated. Why wouldn't you want to drink them? There's just enough alcohol to taste like something, and it also is watered down. It's bubbly water. It's like everything you want. 
Do you have any sort of qualifications for what makes a good wine spritzer or you don't really care? I mean, you've seen me do this too. In a restaurant or I'm going to someplace, I'll say, give me the shittiest bottle of white. I don't care what it is. And just put it on ice with some sparkling water. That's it. The shittier, the better. That's what I say. Ooh, I'm ready for that right now. Okay. How is that not refreshing? How is that not an amazing drink? I think it's widely underrated. Uh, overrated is shortening the names of Mexican dishes and creations like margaritas and guacamole to the first syllable. Yeah, I yeah, agree with that strongly. Sure. Margs sure. and guac make me want to die. Yeah. Is guacamole the same as avocado toast? <sighs> we've we've been over what? this. Come on. No, not not exactly. <laughs> is it basically when you make a guacamole? Is it the same thing as when you make avocado toast? I think it is. When you smash up the avocado, you mean and yeah, spread yeah. it on bread. But some avocado toasted recipes are like the same ingredients as some guacamole. of them can be. It's like a Venn diagram. There's overlap. I don't know. When I think of guacamole, and this is wrong, but I immediately think of something that has tomato and onion in it as well, which I know is not the case across the board. Therefore, I can't think of avocado toast and guac as the same thing. There I go. I said guac. Uh, <laughs> no way. But, but me. I mean, yeah, I guess Isaac's right. I shocker, shocker! <laughs> wow, yeah. Noel, I, I want to I, I want to take this time to sort of interrupt and do a PSA. Anytime you think you want avocado toast, I just want to tell you you should go with the OG butter toast. Just put a giant slab of butter on your toast. That's well, in it. our in in the great in the in the uh, four hour how to butter your toast segment we did a few months ago. I think you did have an amazing. Instruction, which was put as much butter on your toast as you would avocado on avocado toast. Yes, one hundred percent. Or, or, or if you're having like foie gras and you're putting on brioche, like cold foie, like people slather the shit out of their bread and foie. I'm like, you know what's going to be equally delicious if you do the same thing with butter? Like, mm -hmm. just everybody try it once. Put some <laughs> fucking extraordinary amount of butter on your toast or your bread, and put it with like some salt, sea salt. I think it'll change your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I agree. I agree. Um, paid for by the National Dairy Association. <laughs> <laughs> paid for by the Cardiologist Association. Uh, our next question. Bologna. Overrated or underrated? Ugh, overrated. Oh, I don't get it. Coming in strong. I just don't get it. Period. You don't get it? Yeah. Not okay. for me. Not for me. Well, Noel's overrated sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh God. oh, God. I was just trying to remember the last time I had like Oscar Mayer bologna. And it's been a long time. But I mean, Noel, let's dig into this. Do you not like mortadella? I will eat mortadella. I don't wow, seek out is, mortadella. That is a real, wow. Mm. Okay. I know. That's a problem. I don't know who I dislike more now. On <laughs> Isaac or Noel. <laughs> How would you not like? I mean, I thought that if, if you had been like, no, I love mortadella, but like I can't eat bologna because I'm just so fond of pistachios and peppercorns in my mortadella and chunks of lardo. But you're just, hmm, I, I, hmm, I don't know about this. So what I don't know about this, Noel. Emulsified. It's not a ham. It's not a ham. <laughs> oh my I god! It's not a ham. You I triggered Chrissy Ang. <laughs> Chris is triggered. It's not a ham, dude. It's it's basically a meat mayonnaise. It's a meat it's a meat mayonnaise. 
<laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an emulsified. It's, it's like if you're making mayonnaise, but instead of adding oil, you're just adding meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a meat mail. Look at it that way. It's, it's so a, it's, fucking good. It's amazing. Every time I look at that, I'm like, I marvel at human ingenuity. It's a, it's just it's just amazing, and I think it's delicious. And people don't eat it enough. You should have a fried bologna sandwich. You need to crisp it up. You should cut that little slit in it so it doesn't like deform itself when you're cooking it. But we need to eat more bologna, more mortadella, more meat and mayo type sandwiches, whether it's a Taylor's ham, mortadella with pistachios or without. It's a tremendously delicious food, sliced thin. We already talked about our favorite sandwich in Sao Paulo, the stacked high deck of mortadella. Chunks of mortadella grilled, fried. I, I Listen, if you don't like Baloney. I mean, Noel, do you hate spam as well? No comment. Oh, well, Noel. I'll eat spam in certain dishes, but <sighs> I can't say that I like the general category of spam. I just could not see this coming. <sighs> I just couldn't see it coming. I just never thought that I would put Isaac in front of you, and he is. Wow. I didn't think anyone could have more controversial food opinions than myself. Wow. Wow. Is spam Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. controversial? I feel like you either like it or you don't like it. I just, I just, I'm I'm at a loss for words. Like an angel is tumbling out of the heavens right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because it lost its wings. Okay. uh, See you guys later. Thanks for having me. Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. I don't know if we can talk about anything else. I mean, we should just end the podcast. <laughs> sour <note. laughs> uh, it's, a, it's like a day of atonement. <laughs> do you wait? Do you just do you just not like processed meats in general? Do you just not like this specific type of like salty, sausagey, canned kind of meats? I think so. Yes. Do you hate sausages too? No, 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 no. I like sausages. I've recently. I just never really ate it growing up. So I think that mm. I haven't gotten used to it. And so over time, I've eaten it. It's just not, I think I like other things more is really what it comes down to. And mm. I feel the same way about you. I like other oh, people more. Oh, God. Sheesh. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever, Dave. Whatever. The thing about Noelle is that she doesn't care. She doesn't need your your validation like Chris and myself do. Um, I'm so mad. <laughs> Um, something, something else to be to be mad about. Hey, I want to make a poster that's like stop. Say, I think we should we should make a poster that's like stop saying baloney in like a negative way. I think it's really it's just like as a really synonym offensive. for nonsense. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. I think it deserves a PSA, a proper a proper PSA poster. I'm gonna work on this. I feel like it's a euphemism for saying bullshit. I think people don't want to say bullshit, so they say baloney instead. Well, why, why drag fucking baloney's good name? That's bullshit. That's <laughs> yeah. what's fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry, um, all right. So worked up. Hard left turn. Hiking. How do you feel about <laughs> hiking? The activity. It's a Korean pastime. Uh, let me tell you, I will never pick that up as a hobby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ever, I, I just I'd rather go running. I would rather really the, the hiking is the, like the state of in between. I hate mm. the states of in between um, <laughs> very much, and I would rather do anything but like walk at a brisk pace. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, up a hill? Like, no. None of these things sound good to me. And I'm embarrassed that it's the Korean national hobby of the outdoor pursuits. And I just don't like it. I don't. Okay. In Wyoming, there are hiking trails everywhere. I thought about hiking. And every time I thought about hiking, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Wow. Wow. Chris, Noel? Uh, I don't feel as strongly anti-hiking, but I do feel like it's sort of a bullshit activity. Like, huh. you, would you call it a baloney activity? No, I wouldn't, <laughs> motherfucker. There's, I don't like, there's hiking boots and hiking bags and yeah, like a, there's a whole culture around back it. and all this shit. It's like, the you're walking just stick. walking. Mm-hmm. You're walking, walking dude. Stick. Pick up a stick and walk if you're going to walk somewhere. Do do it Gandalf style. Well, I mean, or why is it called hiking? Just say it's walking. <laughs> walking up, upward. Why does yeah. hiking need a new name? What does walking need a new name? You're walking. Why why rebrand walking? <laughs> because then you can't. But this is what I'm saying. Because then you can't sell a whole separate line of shit. The for hiking this other industrial activity. complex. Yeah. So you're telling me the the marketing company that came up with the phrase hiking also created all these fucking holidays. Like it's, it's mm. pepperoni pizza day. Mm. It's donut, <laughs> jelly donut <laughs> day. Oh it's aluminum God. can day. They probably came up with the Seattle dog 100%. too. 100%. 100%. Mm. It's, it's, it's just walking. It's walking uphill. <laughs> That's what it is. I enjoy hiking more than these two do, but I also don't like the gear. So I'll agree with you on that, Chris Yang. And I especially hate hiking snacks, granola bars, mm, those mm, jelly juice mm, things mm, mm, that you're supposed to gor- eat. Gorch? No. Gorch? 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 What word are you saying? Gorp. 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 Yeah, Gorp. Isn't that an acronym for something? Yeah, I think so. Let me look it up. What, it's like gorp. granola or a raisin poo. What is Origin it? of <laughs> Gorp. <laughs> Good old raisins and peanuts. <laughs> Good old that raisins and peanuts. Mm. Those are the two things. If you gave me a bag of trail mix and said, like, just eat what you like, all you would have left would be gorp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fucking eat that stuff. I mean, I just want to know who came up with that. I want to talk to the inventor that came up with the name gorp. Like, good old raisin and peanuts. He started... <laughs> Just what the fuck, man? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I just, I immediately went back to my fictitious theoretical Dave Chang state that's very similar, a more democratic, more freedom of speech in North Korea. <laughs> There'd be only walking or running, nothing in between. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hiking, hiking, the word hiking and walking briskly is banned. The People's oh Democratic God. Republic of Chang bans hiking. I don't know. I feel like this logic is getting missed. So, first you say that hiking is walking, and now you're saying that walking and running are okay. So, therefore, yeah. you've put hiking in the walking category. So, hiking. No, no, no. The logic is, okay. the logic is this. Hiking seems to be like the reason why people call it hiking. It, it people want to make it seem like it's more of an endurance or harder walk, right? Like it's a brisk walk or it's something like you're carrying shit or you're going uphill. But theoretically, it's just walking. But a lot of people think it's like brisk hiking because people time themselves when they're hiking, mm-hmm. right? I think time is a big thing, and you know if time's a big thing to get to from fucking point A to point B in a hike, then fucking run. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, um, oh my God. As, yeah. an, uh, as an indoorsman, I do not enjoy hiking. I just wanted to put that out there. Indoorsman, I, how are you supposed to like judge a field of hikers? <laughs> I mean, just uh, like quietly as you sit there drinking a beer on the trail. I mean, that's how you do it. You just judge them as they walk by. Eating gorp. <laughs> well, uh, now that now that we're sufficiently angry, uh, let's talk about tilapia. Ugh. Overrated or underrated? Overrated. I don't remember the last time I ate tilapia. Just another fish. Mm. No, it's a farm-raised fish. It used to be. I think it's always been a farm-raised fish. <laughs> Can I just say I'm, I'm like I just googled tilapia recipes, and I think <laughs> I'm looking at like the first twenty, and eighteen of them are Parmesan crusted <laughs> tilapia <laughs> recipes. Like that just tells you everything. Yeah. The only way to make this good is to. Cover it with <laughs> crispy Parmesan and lemon. Like, it, it's all the same recipe. Apparently, it used to be found in the Nile River in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, and they used to eat it all the time there. So I'm a, I, I apologize to the ancient Egyptians that yeah. I may have offended by <laughs> judging tilapia poorly. I'll be taking a break from the Dave Chang show to think about what I did. <laughs> no, I mean, people eat tilapia. It's, the, it's a widely consumed fish. I just... If I was at a place where it was actually there, wild, or it wasn't being made by a giant company, I think I would be like, yeah, you know? But I feel that most tilapia is consumed by or made by big corporations. I won't say what country I was in, and I think this made a very big impression on me. It was a coastal town, not America, and... I didn't understand why all the villagers weren't eating the local seafood because they couldn't because it was all sold for exports, but there was a giant tilapia factory not far by. So they ate tilapia <laughs> instead of the local seafood. And I just Sheesh. like, that's not fucking right. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. How do you feel about beaches or mountains? This is kind of related to hiking, but would you prefer the beach or the mountain? I'd take the mountain as much as I love the ocean. Really? You just yeah. shat all over hiking and you were, you're like mountains over beaches. I actually was in the mountains and I didn't go hiking once. <laughs> so I can do That's that. That's true. You can drive up a mountain and just have a great time in a cabin or... I feel that there is something that is more awe-inspiring and majestic from beautiful mountains. One reason why I love the Teton Mountain Range is I think it's the most beautiful mountain range in North America. The only thing that I think is remotely similar are the, oh my God, I can't remember the mountain range in uh, South Island where Queenstown is in um, because it's just stunning. And I think there's something, and there's just something about seeing a giant mountain range that I, I think is, uh, I don't know, humbling is the right word, but I think there's a correlation to why many, many religions are are born at high elevations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Low oxygen levels. Low oxygen level, high elevation. Like, it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, an inordinate amount of religions have been born out or, or started in, in mountains because I think it's something that is in our DNA. And... Uh, more religions born in mountains than religions born at ocean level. Hmm. Hmm. Mountains are great. I'm a beach boy. Me too. 
Me not too. a literal yeah. beach boy, but I'm a beach lover. There are three Southern Californians on this podcast, mm-hmm. and I think we'll all agree that beaches are amazing. The ocean yeah. is also majestic. I agree yeah. that it, there's something awe-inspiring standing in front of like a gigantic mountain. And it's just like the sheer scope of it puts you in your place in the world. But uh, beach feels I mean, nice. <laughs> LA really didn't do a good job of maintaining its beaches. Well, that's not true. Come on. There are a lot of great beaches in Los compared Angeles. Compared to fucking Australia? Are you kidding well, compared me? Compared to Australia, <laughs> of course. Yeah. When you get to Bondi, you're like, holy fuck, this is outrageous. Bondi is beautiful. It's true. LA really fucked it up compared to Australia. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Don't go to Malibu. Don't go to Santa Monica. Go down to the South Bay. Go to Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo, PV. Maybe all the way. Go, go all the way down to Newport. All of Sydney. Just go to Sydney. Or you can go to and, Sydney. And see all man, Manly Beach. <laughs> Just keep going All so, of okay. these beaches Ooh, Manly is are so nice. so nice. Like, fuck, I love Australia. And the beaches there are just stunning, perfectly kept. And, um, you know, LA, sorry, you missed it. <laughs> Come at me, beach people. <laughs> all right, well, stuff artichokes. Stuffed artichokes. Overrated or underrated? I don't understand stuffed artichoke. Can I ask seriously, how do people eat artichokes? Because they're expensive at the farmer's market. And I have tornado, you know, cleaned artichokes, a lot of artichokes in my lifetime. Um, usually not the huge globe ones, but more of the baby artichokes because you cook them in this French thing called barragul, which is like a acidic white wine with some maybe sometimes flour and some aromatics, and it's a way of cooking them where they'll be a little bit acidic, so they won't turn color. Um, and you basically get it down to the core and the stem, and you peel everything else. You don't use the leaves. But when people eat artichokes, I feel like outside of, say, a French train restaurant, they're only eating the leaves. I don't understand that. What is there to eat? That little nubbin of meat that comes from the, uh, the, the, the heart. Right, mm-hmm. that's what you're peeling off and dipping mm-hmm. in mayonnaise and scooping, scraping off with your teeth. But are you the center that, of the artichoke? But do you think that people? So I, I hear what you're saying, but when we eat artichokes, or, or my, my dad loves artichokes, and he would just steam them, and like I said, he, he dips them in mayonnaise. But then you, once you get down to the choke, you cut that out with a spoon, and then you just eat that heart. You cut that. Up I don't and, know. Like I never grew up eating artichokes. Um, you know, like ever. Well, only time I really cooked them was when I worked for Tom Colicchio. It was just not something I grew up eating. and and But I remember seeing it. I think they even have one at like Hellstones of Houston's and I've still never ordered it. Do you guys order like a whole steam artichoke when you go to a restaurant and you only eat the, do you do it that way where you just pick the leaf out and you basically eat nothing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's just a spoon for mayonnaise. It's a mayonnaise spoon. Each leaf, you get a little spoon Yeah, you get that. You get not even the tiniest nub of nothing. I think it's so much, it is to me... A steamed artichoke is the epitome. We have reached the the zenith of overrated hmm. foods. Is the steamed artichoke? <laughs> Wait, of all, it uh. broke the scale. It broke the scale on overrated. Wait, but can we back up for a second for someone like me who has not had a stuffed artichoke? Can you guys talk through exactly what this is stuffed with? Just like breadcrumbs and cheese and. Boogers. How much breadcrumbs, Chris Yang? A little? <laughs> Just like a handful. Like a, a handful? Pawful of breadcrumbs. I don't I don't get the stuffed artichoke at all, actually. 
jury's out for me on the Steam one, Dave. I don't think I can come along with you on that because I got nostalgia for that, but I don't get the stuffed one. The stuffed mm. one, people always complain about this. When you go to like a Chinese restaurant and you get like salt and pepper crab and they've battered the crab in the shell and then seasoned it, like people who aren't accustomed to eating are like, I don't get this. Like all the meats inside, why did they batter the outside? And you're like, no, dumb dumb, you like break this up with your teeth and you 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 eat it and you're getting the batter and the crunchy deliciousness. I don't think the same thing applies to this stuffed artichoke I'm looking at because this seems completely impossible to eat. Like I don't get it. I don't I don't understand a stuffed artichoke. I don't understand a steamed artichoke. Artichokes in general don't pair with any fucking beverage, not even delicious cheap beer. I'm not a fan. <laughs> They're delicious deep fried. The only artichoke that I will make at home, and I'm going to give everybody a recipe, even though we just started off. No recipes. <laughs> <laughs> you take one to one to one ratio. One small jar, like the smallest jar you can buy of mayonnaise. One can of artichokes, drained artichoke hearts. One bag of chopped frozen spinach. One container, pint of any kind of uh, grated cheese. You mix it all together. You don't have to add any salt. You can add some pepper or just add Momo savory salt. Mix it all up. Put it in a baking dish. 475 till I don't fucking know. Just cook. <laughs> put it in the fucking oven till it's like golden brown. All right? And uh, I think you will be very happy. I think that is like one of the best and easiest things you can make for people coming over is the the one-to-one-to-one ratio of the spinach artichoke dip. Hmm. Tortilla chips? Yeah, of course. But now I guess I should buy steamed artichokes and dip it in to my (laughs) artichoke dip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Noelle got a little shade for her spinach artichoke dip last last episode, but uh, we're all about it. Didn't she lose? She did lose. She did. Let's not forget. She did lose that episode of Recipe Club. (laughs) Noelle has the worst record in Recipe Club history. Zero percent. Zero point zero point zero percent. Never, never again. We'll never be asked on again. It's okay. Whatever. Um, Okay. Let's close this out with the recurring question. What is the best thing you ate this week? Uh, Chris and I had uh, love to eat. We were oh, filming yeah. something for American Express. And we also were filming a segment that we may or may not release, depending on how bad or good it is. Uh, <laughs> but we ordered some love to eat uh, Thai the best. food in Los Angeles. It is so good. And um, that papaya salad just knocked me on my ass. It was so goddamn good. So that's my best thing I ate all week. Um, I have a little story about mine. I was in, uh, I took a little family trip down to Santa Cruz and it was a busy weekend. So the only hotel room we could find was like a pretty small hotel room. Usually we try to find a room where like we can separate our kids from where we are, like a separate sleeping area. Uh, but instead we were all the four of us crammed into a hotel room and, and therefore as soon as the kids go to sleep, it's like, it's lights out for me and for me and Jamie. And um, I got hungry after the kids were asleep and I couldn't turn on the lights in the hotel room to eat and I couldn't do anything in the hotel room. But I had a chimichanga that was waiting for me to be eaten and it was a Mm. delicious, 
underrated chimichanga mm. deep fried burrito. And uh, I, I was, it was pitch black. And I felt around in the dark till I could find my chimichanga. <laughs> and I ate that motherfucker in the bathroom in front of the mirror, shirtless, just standing there over the bathroom <laughs> sink, eating this chimichanga. Amazing. Avoiding, avoiding eye contact with myself and my shame. And I'll tell you what, I never looked at myself and that chimichanga was the best thing I ate, even if it was very sad. That would have been awesome if you were on mushrooms. It would have been so much better. <laughs> this story would have been so much better if you were on mushrooms, <laughs> looking at yourself and your body just like disgusting you, you know? I know what mushrooms oh, can do. I wasn't I wasn't sober doing this. That's for damn yeah. sure. And I was like, do not look up, Chris. Do not look up. Just <laughs> eat your chimichanga, you fucking animal. <laughs> it's so bad. So delicious, though. Oh, um, well, mine is, you know, going back to it, the meatball soup that my mom taught me how to make over FaceTime. Mm. I don't know the actual name. I just call it meatball soup. It has noodles and meatballs. Tell, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us mm. the recipe. Um, what goes in it? Fairly simple. Ground pork, some chopped up shrimp, eight to 10 is what I was told. Um, there's water chestnut and onion. That's the meatball with, obviously, you season it. I put in savory. And then the soup is um, chicken broth, chicken stock with red boat, fish sauce, and what else mm. is in there? Garlic, green onion. Any any herbs? No herbs. Filipino, Dave. No herbs, please. Uh, and I also got a rice cooker. I have finally gotten one. So I had- Which one? The best- Zoji Rushi. Mm. I'm, I'm very excited. It was great. It was the best rice. Otherwise, my stovetop rice sucks. So, you know. But anyway, that was the best thing I ate. Cook it in an any day. Come on, Noel. Oh, yes. My any day rice has been very, very good. There you go. That there sounds go. delicious, though. Well, I'm still waiting for my any day. Any day now. Any day now. Any day now. You already heard it. But any day. Uh, <laughs> you just um, keep on. You keep on waiting outside for the mailman to come. Just yeah. every single <laughs> day, the USPS truck drives by, and uh, <laughs> you and the dog sitting at the window looking out longingly. Yep. Yep. You know, it's 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 you and Van Affleck looking waiting for Matt Damon to not be there anymore. <laughs> I show up every day. Um, all right, close this out. Um. Give us five stars on our Spotify app. Just try to do it and see just what happens. Just try. The feature doesn't <laughs> exist, but you can try. Yeah. Or just give us five stars. Just Spotify, just yeah. put a five-star rating on the podcast and say it's 10,000 reviews permanent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Who cares? And we lost all our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs>